Two things I have to mention before my homily. As if the fears and the frustrations and the suffering from this COVID pandemic were not enough, now our nation is being rocked by violence, supposedly in protest of violence. So let us pause for a moment and offer this mass as we begin to regather, even in masks and distancing, for peace and healing in our communities, our nation and our world. Come Holy Spirit and renew the face of the earth. Well, thank you all for the well wishes and goodbyes that I've received. So many people have heard that I'm retiring this weekend, but let me clarify. This is my 40th anniversary of ordination as a deacon and the end of my assignment here at St. Mary and Our Lady of Peace. But I've simply declined being reassigned for another three years and I've accepted retirement status instead. Not for my ministry as a deacon, just from the formality of an assignment by the Archbishop. So I'm not going anywhere. At Father, with Father Stephen's permission, I'll continue to serve in this, my beloved home parish, where Carolyn and I have been for almost half of those 40 years. And Carolyn and I will be, will be taking some time away this year, once the world opens again, with all our kids and grandkids to celebrate our family's 50th birthday. And speaking of birthdays, happy birthday to all of you as we celebrate Pentecost, the birthday of the church. We spent seven weeks celebrating the resurrection, the what of Easter. But today we celebrate the so what of Easter, receiving of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would be with us always to remind us of all that he's told us and all that he's done for us. And Pentecost, along with Christmas and Easter, is one of the most sacred feasts of the year with a different mass for the vigil last night and today, the mass of the day. And the readings are quite different. Last evening, the story of the t uh, this, this morning, the, the story of the Tower of Babel and Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit to those who believe in him, and also the story of the Spirit descending upon the disciples as tongues of fire this morning. In John's account last night of the apostles receiving the Holy Spirit on Easter evening, sending them out to spread, spread peace and forgiveness. I got those mixed up. That's today. But instead of working two different homilies, which have been even more confusing, I decided just to have one big, super long homily for today, okay? So what does Pentecost mean for us? You and I have each been sent out as, dis as a disciple. We've received the Holy Spirit at our baptism, renewed and strengthened in confirmation, and nourished with the Eucharist. Together, we are the church, who continue to proclaim the peace and forgiveness that Jesus gave us in his death and resurrection, and is constantly present in our lives through his spirit who dwells within us. This is our faith, but how does that shape our daily lives? What's different about you and me from our neighbors and friends who don't know Jesus and don't welcome the Holy Spirit into their lives? We could explore that question for many days, and we should because it defines who we are as Christians. But let's just look at a couple of implications of being the church 
that began on Pentecost. In the story of the Tower of Babel, the people's pride in thinking that they could build their own path to heaven resulted in their being scattered in the confusion of different languages, no longer able to understand one another and work together. Then at Pentecost, people from all over the world each heard the disciples speaking in their own languages and were able to understand the message they proclaimed. Have you ever been with someone in need but didn't know what to say? But you tried your best to offer understanding and, and, and compassion and the words that came forth were exactly what they needed to hear? Or maybe you were without words and could only hug them and cry with them. And that was more important than anything you could have said. The Holy Spirit has given us those gifts, which empower us to speak to others in ways they understand. And sometimes you recognize that moment of wisdom or understanding or, or counsel that doesn't come from within ourselves. But also sometimes we may, we may miss the source of that gift or fail to use it. One Sunday afternoon, I got a call from a parishioner who said, Chuck, your homily this morning was touched me so deeply I thought you were speaking directly to me. Truly, you were inspired by the Holy Spirit because you're not just that good. <laughs> in my life, I've recently been putting more trust in that quiet, gentle voice of the Spirit that tells me what to do. And I try to follow it, no matter how unexpected or trivial it seems. And this week, Carol and I were planning to go camping with two other couples for two nights. They're good friends, but a mix of non-practicing Catholic, Jewish, Buddhist, and Presbyterian. And before we went, I heard that voice tell me that I should speak with them about my faith. Not exactly what I was planning to do for a couple of days getaway. But I've also been practicing the surrender prayer. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Please take care of everything. So I responded, okay, show me the opportunity and give me the words and we'll see how that works out. To my surprise, they, without Carolyn's intervention, had planned a retirement celebration for me with cake and champagne, honoring my service as a Catholic deacon. And then, on a hike Thursday morning, my Jewish woman friend walked alone with me, and hesitantly and apologetically, she asked me how I thought about God in this pandemic. What a great conversation we had. Nothing that I would have brought up on my own, we even had discussed abortion. I had used the gifts of fear of the Lord, obeying his request despite my reluctance, piety, trusting in his help, and using the knowledge he's given me in the faith. Have you ever felt strangely moved to start a conversation, send a note or call someone, even to a stranger? You might remember me speaking about when God had to tell me three times to call my eldest son just before he was to die in a plane crash. Or the morning I felt moved to call my estranged second son, who said emotionally, 
It's really funny you called me today, Dad. I was thinking of coming up to see you and Mom this weekend. As I'm having some real difficulties in my family, and I need to talk to you. Or the time I couldn't get my car fixed down in Denver. So I thought I should just stop by and say hello to Heather, who was the, had been the uh, uh, parish uh, secretary, and found out she desperately needed someone to watch her two girls that day. This is the working of the Spirit in us. We even call it being inspired or aroused by the Spirit. And as Christians, it's not some extraordinary mystical experience. It should be the ordinary stuff of our everyday life in Christ. When have you been inspired? Why don't I hear those stirrings more often? Or better yet, why don't I follow them? Is it because I'm unsure or afraid? Afraid of making myself look foolish or afraid of offending someone? Afraid of being rejected or criticized? Well, that's exactly where the apostles were when they received the Holy Spirit. Cowering in the upper room behind a locked door. They were afraid, weak, unsure of themselves. So if you are afraid to speak out boldly, afraid to allow the Spirit to work through you, you're in very good company and very well disposed to receive the gifts of God's Spirit today. But perhaps the most important gift of the Spirit that I have experienced over the last 40 years is fortitude. The strength to hang in there in the tough times, through church scandals, personal hardships and challenges that I've had to overcome, to live my faith and serve the church. So if you haven't noticed, I've tried to remind you of those seven gifts to the Holy Spirit that each of us has constant, instant access to as we live our lives as children of God the Father, brothers and friends of Jesus the Son, and temples of the Holy Spirit. Might be good to look these up this weekend, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and reflect on how they might become more active in your life. But the most important message I find in this celebration of Passover is Jesus' words to the apostles in today's gospel. Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and whose sins you retain are retained. Now this is certainly the power given to our priests in confession, but it's also a gift and a responsibility for each of us. We pray in the Our Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. And forgiveness is the key to unlocking the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think Jesus is telling us that our forgiveness of each other, and even of ourselves, is essential to living with his spirit. If I hold a grudge, seek recompense or revenge, or just shun someone for having offended me, or if I wallow in my guilt about my own sins, I'm not open to the free-flowing gift of forgiveness in my own heart. And I block the gifts of the Holy Spirit from flowing out of me. So today, you and I, we, are the church that was born on Pentecost. And let us renew our commitment to love one another as Christ loves us, 
proclaim the gospel to the whole world and listen to the Holy Spirit guiding us each day. If our world ever needed this prayer, it's now. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. But remember, he has already sent us his spirit. He's going to renew the world through you and through me.